0: Welcome back to another episode of When The Going Gets Tough. My name is Sean Kate. Today I have Trace Cruz with me. Trace? How's it going, Sean? Great, man. Uh, how's your body feeling? Tell us about what you did yesterday. Um,
1: had a 35-mile a mountain run, advertised as a 50K, more like a 60K. My body's feeling okay, mostly just like tight joints and stuff. No real muscle soreness, at least not how like you would experience after lifting weights or anything more just tightness and
0: achy joints feeling okay though so it was officially mountain mascus trail run 50k plus a little extra 10k so you could consider it a 60k but it's advertised as a 50k yep uh the same time a 50 miler is happening and was that correct me if i'm wrong but was 50 miler at mascus your first ultra Um, Or was Promised Land? No, Promised Land was my first ultra, but I did the Maskist 50-miler, but that was four
1: years ago, so it's been a while. This was my, I guess yesterday was my second longest run
0: next to only that 50-miler, which had been four years ago. Dang, so a full four years since you've done Maskist. How many years has it been since you've done Promised Land? Uh, Two and a half years, so this is my first ultra marathon in two and a half years. So what, what motivated you to get back on the trails? So um, I know you're still lifting like five days a week, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah.
1: um, a lot of it just boils down to how I want to spend my free time. And how that boils down is I want to do something both productive for my fitness and outdoorsy and adventurous. So I've kind of been saying recently, I've realized that I'm not really
0: a runner. I just perform running as my modality for adventure. Nice. So... 50k is not about running it's about having an adventure exactly having a good time i mean it was gorgeous perfect weather yesterday tell it us was. about your race like what was your favorite part least favorite part yeah
1: so What you think it, it started off pretty chilly um nothing exceptionally brutal probably i don't know upper 20s when we started which probably actually didn't really feel as bad as it sounds because you're all kind of amped up and distracted mm-hmm. and everybody's there suffering together um, this race started at 5.30 a.m., so we ran for almost a full two hours before the sun came up, but once that sun came up, the, the whole vibe changes. I mean, you're kind of there. I have really high energy in the morning, really high energy <laughs> at the start. I saw you at the start. You were <laughs> and, excited. And everyone else is kind of just annoyed that they're not still in their beds, but I figure if, if we're up and we're running and we're moving around, then I'm going to try to be high energy. Um, once the sun came up, it kind of switched to where I switched gears from trying to bring everyone else's energy up to finally trying to actually pace myself and, and dial in on the race strategy. And then that's when everyone else kind of got amped up. So it was kind of a reversal of rules, but it was obviously a beautiful sunrise, even though I don't think most of the racers actually saw the sun come over the horizon. But you can kind of see the the glowing of the sky and how it kind of paints the sky mm-hmm. along the horizon of the mountains. Um, yeah, it was, it was really perfect weather for the first four hours or so. And then it got really hot. Like I was talking to a couple of the other runners mm-hmm. and really hot as in like probably mid-60s, but it, it felt pretty hot out there, especially when you're kind of in the valleys and... There's not a lot of wind or breeze, and it's kind of just the sun radiating down on you. But couldn't really ask for much better weather, especially this time of year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Last year at the same event, it rained the entire day, so I remember that. Yeah, I'm glad we didn't have that. It's much nicer. Did you find yourself running with a group of people? Were you mostly alone? What was the kind of dynamic like? Um, The first 13
1: miles or so, we had a small group. That ran together for pretty much pretty much all of that, and then after that, um, kind of picked one person, ran with them for a couple miles, and then either I'd pull ahead or they'd pull ahead, and then we'd find somebody else. Nice. Um, at that that level of competition where I met is it's not super competitive, but it is still kind of like you you do try to push yourself, and others try to push you around them. So it's a yeah. a good healthy, um, I guess, give and take where. You don't really want people to pass you, but you're also not gonna like try to block them on the trail or anything. Right. It's, yeah. it's very it's still kind of like a team effort,
0: even mm-hmm. though you're running your own race. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that with a lot of people coming into it. so I, I was actually out at the event working in an aid station for the fifty miler, so I didn't get to see Trace on the trail. Um, but I I love seeing the kind of the atmosphere of runners You know, from start to finish, but but especially in the middle where there's kind of a healthy competition. People are pushing each other. People are running with each other. And I, I would even guess, you know, it might seem like to an aid station volunteer, like people, these people all know each other. But I would even guess that some of them probably didn't know each other before the race. And they probably buddied up. And they come into the aid station looking like friends, which is cool because you're not. I, I would I would be willing to bet that some of them really had no idea who the other person was, but they're in the same race and running similar paces, pushing each other. Like coming into the aid station, one person turns around and the other one's like, "Hey, I'll catch up to you," you know. And yeah, that like that pushing each other, it's like yeah, you're not trying to smoke that person in particular, but they're kind of a benchmark for you to to not like slow down too much.
1: That's exactly right, especially. In the second half of the race where you're, I mean, where I'm at is you're about three to four hours in, and you kind of know if you see people, they're going to be about the same pace as you, where like at the beginning of the race, there's so much of people passing other people. Some people are just better at the uphills and they start Mm. off faster. Some people are better downhills. Um, That's where I kind of normally excel at the downhills. So the first five miles of this race is mostly uphill. And then I was able to open up downhill and probably passed at least 20 or 30 people in like a a two mile span. And then, kind of, once you have the big uphill and the big downhill and you're a couple hours in, things kind of settle into place where the -hmm. runners have kind of set their own paces. And if you see somebody, then at that point, you're all, you're probably going to be able to kind of match your pace with them. Yeah. Um, It can be beneficial, but it can also be detrimental if you. A, try to chase down somebody who's faster than you and you end up running <laughs> out. Or B, if you're holding back for somebody who's slower than you but you want to talk to them. Which, if you're not really doing it to be competitive, that's fine. But I have a handful of times found myself actually holding myself back because I didn't want to leave this other person. Mm. And this, as Sean just mentioned, when I say this other person, that's really somebody who I, I had just met. Yeah. But like we were out there on the trail suffering together. and Having, having fun. Having fun. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, so tell me about how you incorporated running into your you know last few months of training. Like, how much running did you do before this? Did you know like I'm not gonna do a lot of running? I'm gonna kind of do my lifting routine and then like just send it, or was there more of an intentionality behind your approach? Um,
1: I didn't really take the race training seriously until about a month out. Um, I had decided that I wanted to do this race and I guess it was July, but my training was very sporadic and it kind of was like, as far as running was very sporadic and I just kind of did whatever I felt like, (laughs) which (laughs) is is not the best approach, but it's also not like as bad as it sounds. Like if you don't want to go on a trail run today, you probably don't have to, like it's one of those things where, especially if you're doing it just to finish and not be competitive, you don't really wanna force yourself to train too hard too early because you can definitely burn out like three yeah, months. Absolutely. Like if you're training hard for eight to nine weeks, there's a good chance that you get to the race and you don't even wanna run the race because you're so tired from training. Mm-hmm. So my approach was pretty much make myself run in some capacity three days a week, whether that was just on the roads or on the trails or some sort of hill repeats or mile repeats or whatever. And then, um, so that was, I was only putting in probably 20 mile weeks through July and August. And then halfway through September, I started to ramp up to 30-ish mile weeks. And then through October, I was in the upper 30, lower 40 mile weeks. And that last four to six weeks was a lot more intentional where I had um, at least one long run where I kind of consider the definition of a long run, at least in this context, is anything over two hours. Yeah. Um, I had at least one of those a week. Most weeks I had two to three, where it would be something like a, a three-and-a-half-hour run and then two separate two-hour runs. And all of those were on the trails pretty much. So, yeah, I
0: remember you went out and did the Priest and Three Ridges. Exactly. And you did that one run on the course. I was out for that. Yep. And that was, you know, a lot of time on trails. Yeah, for sure. My So you didn't skip the trails. You didn't not run. Correct. You trained appropriately, but you also, did you limit your lifting at all or did you keep lifting the same? Um, I I had to
1: limit lifting as I increased my running volume mm-hmm. just because, I mean, something has to give eventually Yeah, and I still lifted five to six times per week and I still did both upper and lower body training. My upper body training didn't change too much, but my lower body training definitely did mm-hmm. where I was only doing three to five really hard sets per leg exercise. And that would just be something like a few sets of squats or a few sets of deadlifts where I'm not really pushing the envelope on those workouts, but I am trying to maintain Mm.
0: that top end strength. Do you feel like, I mean, obviously you haven't lifted since the race because it was yesterday, but do you feel like your numbers next week will be comparable or let's give it two weeks? Like, would would you say you're going to be set back? At all or not? No. If if I were to go out and today
1: or in the next few days, then just from fatigue, it will be dropped down. But you yeah. know, by by two weeks after the race, everything should be back to normal. That's
0: awesome. Yeah. So in fact,
1: know. when I did the the fifty mile race four years ago, um, I think it was less than two weeks later, I hit a all time deadlift PR at like four hundred and forty pounds. <laughs> That's awesome. So it I've kind been- of it kind of makes sense that. You would drop down, you would lose a little bit of strength, but that doesn't always play out in real life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that you obviously demonstrated the, the reality that like you can't, you're not going to be hitting like PRs in the deadlift or back squat when you're ramping up your aerobic training because <laughs> with trail running, primarily using your legs. So yeah, obviously that's going to have to take a back seat, but then you're still kind of, you're not, you're not losing anything. It's not a loss at mm-hmm. all. I actually did hit a squat PR six days before the race. Last, <laughs> last awesome. Monday, I, I squatted. There you go. <laughs> and all, all the more to the point that, like, to people who say, like, oh, I can't do any aerobic training, or I don't want to do aerobic training because, therefore, my, uh, you know, strength and resistance training is going to suffer it is not a; they're not mutually exclusive. Yeah.
1: No, the counterpoint, like, I'm a big fan of doing both, but a lot of people make the mistake of kind of overemphasizing one attribute or the other, mm. and they'll say like, if I get stronger, I'll be a better runner. Which a lot of times that's true, but like for me, if I got stronger, it would do nothing for my runner, yeah. for my running. Like I need to run. Yeah. That's that's you my have weakness. To train your exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, and we've talked about this, and this was like our first podcast together, it was like, if you want to win masochists, you can't lift five, six times mm-hmm. a week. Like, that's not... Yeah. It's just... that Those goals are not realistic or compatible. Yep. Maybe there's a few freaks of nature out there that can pull that off, but it's... Yeah. It's, it's not really, optimal, though. Not optimal. So, like, that's all, you know, taken with a grain of salt, that... Trace's goal was not to win. It was to have a good time, have an adventure, have fun. It seems like you hit all of those goals. Yes, I checked all those boxes. You did suffer longer than you <laughs> I, wanted to. Yeah,
1: it's it's kind of funny. You always forget how bad it hurts until you're out there. <laughs> and like even now, I, I'm ready to get back out there again. But 24 hours ago, nah, 26 hours ago, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, as I was about an hour to the finish line, I, I was just so mad at myself for being out there because it hurt so bad. And then as soon as you see the finish line, you don't even have to pass it. But as soon as you see the finish line, you realize that all the pain was worth it. And that pain was temporary. And yeah, it's just, I mean, its it sucks. It's uncomfortable. But once you finish, you're like, okay, I'm going to rest up and go again.
0: Rest up by going to the football game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's awesome. I love that. I it was bummed that we didn't get to see you at
1: our aid station, hey, but yeah, I I was hoping to come through y'all's aid station as well. That would've been cool. Yeah, I knew pretty much everyone who was working there. They put us out
0: at the as far away as possible for the fifty miler, which it, was super fun. Well, it
1: would've been the I think it would've been the aid station that we after we separated from the fifty miler. Yeah, because at the Coal Mountain Loop. The 50K went right and the 50 mile went left. Left, And y'all were at like 23? Yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. I think y'all were the next aid station after that then.
0: Oh, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we, um, myself and some friends, manned the aid station. There was only four of us. It was a small aid station. And there was another one three miles from where we were. So, people didn't stop for way too long at our aid station. But, um, it always like... It always amazes me to see people's different like attitudes and like styles of running and it's really fun to be to kind of give back to it like I was thinking about this the other day of how you know part of me is disappointed that I wasn't able to train and run this race but another part of me really loves the Opportunity to give back to races because you've done a lot of aid stations. I love
1: aid stations. I love doing the aid stations more than I love running. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, and I'm sure you experienced this yesterday, and you kind of just alluded to it. Once you do an aid station, you cannot wait to get back out on yeah. the trails.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when you're when you're you know assisting people and you see them having their experience, it's very um, it's very contagious. Yes. Yeah, I mean, running an aid station is. it's not super hard, especially if you're kind of ingrained in the sport and you've run enough different kinds of races to know what the vibe should be like. But when you're setting up, like even yesterday when we were setting up, it's like, whoa, we got it. Like it feels like a lot of pressure. And then the runners, none of them, they never come through too many at a time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the last uh, race that I volunteered at we had like 300 people come through. Mm-hmm. So the difference between 300 and 100 felt very significant. And the weather was so different this year. Yeah. Or at this race, sorry. And, um, you know, at the last race, obviously, it was pouring down rain. We had tents. We had people hanging out, trying to stay warm under the tents. And that created this more busy feeling. Yeah. Whereas yesterday, it was like people came in, turned around, and they left. Yep. And it was way less overwhelming. But it was still like... Got to make sure the food is hot. You got to make sure of this. And, you know, Horton, and, Horton was like, You're spoiling these runners. They don't need <laughs> hot food. Like, I'm <laughs> like, come on. Like, that's what you want. That's what. And, of course, you're out in
1: the middle of the woods. So, you're basically cooking as if you're camping yeah. and preparing this stuff for, as, as Sean said, 100 people. Most races are bigger than this one as well. Yeah. So, like, a lot of times you're preparing for two or 300 people, trying to make sure that you have a few options of each category and yeah. plenty of drinks and yeah. a variety of drinks because you never know what
0: people, people are going to want or need. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and I think kind of what I was starting to say earlier just like having the chance to volunteer is such a good perspective because I think if I only ever ran these races and I never was on the other side of an aid station I would appreciate them less when I get to run them. Yep. And I think you know that's that's like what it means to be a part of the community and not to just take from the community. Not saying that I'm the the, you know, banner example of this, but I'm just saying like for everyone, like if you just show up and take from the community by participating in the event and it's all about your experience, that's great, but you're missing out on what it's like to to see the other side. Yeah. And people appreciate people are so appreciative. I'm like, it's this is, like, fun for me. Like, yeah. I would go camping with my friends anyways, <laughs> like, and make bacon and, yep. you know, and hang out in the woods. So it's, like, not – I'm not laying my life on the line. At Grindstone, that was – <laughs> that was, is, That like, was a lot of fun. Yeah, getting getting rained on. For a day straight, pretty much. Yeah, and staying up 24 hours, pretty much. And that was different. Like, yeah, we deserve some <laughs> <laughs> appreciation for yeah, We deserve a But, I mean, yesterday it was, like – don't thank me, I'm having a blast. Yesterday
1: was a, a nice day, too. It yeah. got nice and sunny.
0: Yeah, so I will, that's my that's my um, soapbox for anybody who, you know, and maybe you're injured and you are bummed that you can't train for your next race, reach out to the director, volunteer, show up, like, make food for me. You know, there's a place for you in this community if you can't run or if you can't train for a specific race for sure and there's i have not really found a
1: better community than the ultra running community and being able to be a part of that without having to be an actual racer during the event is and it's it's awesome basically (laughs) yeah to to like nobody would be there exactly it's super inclusive yeah
0: it's not like people are like you can't volunteer you haven't ran an ultra in two and a half years No, no one would ever say that to you yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Well, you know, kind of along those lines, um, what does your future in, like, lifting and running look like? Uh, what's, are you going to swing heavy back towards more lifting, or does Promised Land have any, you know, possibility, like, are there any 50Ks, any 50 miles, um, any 100Ks in your future next year? There's,
1: uh, I'm going to do Promised Land next year. And that, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> that's in April, though, so that's... The way I look at it, I'm going to have a, a big strength training block before then, and then start training seriously for Promised Land to get in February. So I'll have... Okay. Well, I have uh, two Spartan races coming up in November. Okay. I have a Spartan Beast on the 18th, which is a, a 21K, which is a half marathon. And then just a sprint is the next day, and that's just a 5K. Um... I don't really have any back time. Back to back? Yeah, one wow. Sunday and one's, okay. or yeah, one Saturday, one Sunday. I don't have any time goals for those, but I did my first Spartan race. Um, um, I guess it's like almost two months ago, back in September, and I had a blast. It was a, a six-mile race, and I had a smile on my face the whole time. So I'm excited to get back out there again. Yeah. Because it's a similar community and kind of similar Aspects to ultra running and that like everyone's out there running their own race and it's normally on trails and it's always really Mm -hmm. tough but there's also a good variety of obstacles that require strength and power and confidence and you know, grip strength and it's just kind of a fun way to break up a trail run, whereas a big aspect of our sport which is ultra running is to kind of be able to just stay in the zone and kind of entertain yourself if Mm -hmm. you will um, just yeah, a totally different type of trail racing, but it's fun to mix it up. But after those two races, I'll probably go into a, another strength block where I don't have any actual like lifting number goals that I want to hit, but once I get back in the gym this week and next week, I'll kind of feel where I'm at and then yeah. I'll try to add, I don't know, five or 10 pounds to each lift you over the next month line. or two. Yep. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Trace is getting smoked by the light <laughs> in my apartment right now, so we're... We're, yep, we're going to edit this part out of the podcast. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, that's awesome. I didn't know you were doing those yep. races.
1: And then helping run the aid stations at the Hellgate 100K in December, which we just talked about aid stations, and I'm super excited for that. Yeah. That's
0: always... Yeah, and that's a moving aid station. That's an, yeah. That's a mobile It is a operation. mobile. Yeah. You, you don't just get to, like, sit up and chill out. Yep. So what is that like, moving, like, because... For those who don't know, Trace is gonna be doing A stations on a point to point course, which means that when the runners start, they will every every place they pass they'll never see again. So they'll come see you the first time is um, at mile thirteen and then at camping gap. Yep, at camping gap. Um
1: and then geez, I don't even Little know. Little Cove. Little Cove, which is like thirty five miles in maybe? Thirty six. Thirty six miles yep. in. And then in the past we had done one at like mile fifty nine or whatever. Which one was that? Was that um, Bonneville? No, it's the last one. Um, at Day Creek. Day Creek, yeah. Mm. At Day Creek, but fortunately or unfortunately, I wish we were doing it. We're not doing that one. We're not doing Day Creek this because year. Of, yeah,
0: another running club volunteered to do it, mm. which is
1: gonna make our day so
0: easy. Yeah. That we're. <laughs> you don't have to because those are remote. Like the reason why. They're not crew accesses because they're difficult to get to in my car. Yeah, it's probably five plus miles on
1: rough gravel roads. Cheap roads. And, and, yep, yeah, on single lane roads to get there. Um, but they're a lot of fun. We'll, we take a few cars and trucks up, and then we set up some cabanas and a bunch of tables and cook a bunch of food, try to have it well lit so that runners know where they're going because, especially the first one, they're about a half marathon in, and... It's still super dark because this race starts at midnight. It's like th-
0: two or three in the morning when yep. I
1: see you. And a lot of times it's really foggy. Um, fortunately, I've never run this race, but I've heard horror stories of people running in the fog and they can barely see their own feet. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's so bad. foggy.
0: The fog's in man.
1: So that that aid station, well, the, the Hellgate aid stations in general take a lot of coordination, and mm-hmm. you really need a good team for that one because it's again it starts at midnight. And it goes on... Well, the race goes from, what, midnight to 6? Six, 6 p.m. To That'd 6 I p.m. Say. Yeah. So runners are running through the night, which also means the aid station crew has to be obviously available for when they come through. Sometimes mm-hmm. we get a couple hours of sleep, but... Yeah. Um, it depends how good you are at sleeping... On the fly. On, on the fly. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But again, that, that boils down to having a good team and a good community and good coordination. Mm-hmm. And you have to want to be out there for that one. If you if you don't want to be <laughs> it's out there, too you're, cold, yeah, and too yeah, yeah too long of a day, you're going to be a liability if you don't want to be there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dang. Well, that's exciting. Um, I I don't know. Have we talked about this? Do you know that I'm not running Hellgate? No. Last I heard, oh. you were going to run it. But. <laughs> <laughs> so good news. This is this is live. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Unless something crazy happens, I will not be running the race this year. So man. Super,
1: You'll find somebody to crew, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, disappointing on that note. But um, if I'm not crewing anybody, we'll see. You see. There. Yeah, it might have to come out. But it's. I think that would be hard for me to to be working at aid station. Like these other races that I've volunteered at, I don't have so much personal connection to that it was like painful mm-hmm. to not be running yeah. and to be watching other people run. But I think it might be a little... It it'll it'll hurt to know that you know, I could have in a perfect world, you know, trained for this race this this December, but yeah, maybe it will not run it. it we'll light a
1: fire and make you even better next year. Yeah, now.
0: yeah. I mean that's kind of what happened for me at Promised Land in 2022. I didn't get to run it. Uh, I was dealing with some pretty serious hip injuries, and then last year I had the best Promise Land you know I yep. could have dreamed of. So I think. Also, I heard a lot of rumors saying that it's going to be really snowy at Hellgate this year because we've had two extremely mild years. <laughs> Probably, And yeah. the long-term term forecasts have <laughs> some bad, you know, snowy... They, there's supposedly a lot of snow coming to hmm. Virginia this winter. Okay, so, well, I'm ready for it. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Horton would be happy if yeah, the weather was bad. The worse it is, the happier he is. Yeah, exactly, so... And it's just been too nice. I mean, it was like it's, 60 it's so degrees nice. last year. Yeah, it was perfect conditions. Yep. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But some of my goals for next year include running a race not in Virginia, because I realized the other day I've never run an ultra <laughs> out of Virginia. <laughs> That's wild. Outside of a FKT attempt I had on the Appalachian mm. Trail in Maryland, but it was still like so close to Virginia that yeah. it like feels like it was here. You know. Where's your race at? Um, I don't know. Oh, okay, I don't He's know which pick one. I'm gonna, do. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna pick something. Western states. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> go go, crush Hellgate, and then yeah. do Western states. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's kind of uh, it's kind of the the updates. The updates on on my end. It's it's definitely you know I don't I don't really feel um, like going into all the details, but it's definitely been a challenging fall for training for me and I think taking time off has been difficult but it's been the right decision and not running Hellgate was a was very difficult but you know we talked about this this is complete honesty right here for everyone listening (laughs) we talked about it when I it was right after I got back from my honeymoon I called you and I was like I want to run Hellgate and I want to run it really fast and I want to go under 11 hours and Possibly try to win, mm-hmm. uh, which is a very um, big assumption that I could do that. But you were like, I mean, you can, tr- you were like, <laughs> I think you're capable of running fast. And like, <laughs> you're, you know, but you know, and I know that I haven't trained this summer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think a little bit of realism when I started training, just like noticing the difference between you know, taking six months off from, you know, consistent running will really put a dent in your aerobic base. Yeah. Even if I can show up and do a VO2 test and, like, survive, you yeah. know, and there's a difference between that and running for six hours or eight hours or 12 hours or yeah. 15 hours. <laughs> yeah, So, sure. yeah, I think, and I told you, I was like, my plan, here's my plan. Like, scientifically, it checks out, right? Yep. I was going to do speed work, I was going to do Pretty low volume, and I was gonna do like two thirds of my volume in one run a week. Yep. So it's kind of like I wanted to just cheat. That's basically what that's, it is. That's yeah. That's a good. And a good when I started it. trying to do that, trying to cheat the system, and you know, I wanted to just maximize my time, and I tried. I tried. I started a block, and I kind of did that principle a little bit. It just doesn't work. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, I realized like you can't skip the work that's, yeah that's the bottom line to, to be
1: an actual competitive ultra runner you' you're, you're going to want to put in 20 hours a week of training of yeah. just training on the trails yeah and that's I mean that's a long time
0: yeah I think I've had the most success with like 15 hours of volume which is still an extra part-time job mm-hmm. uh, that no one pays you for you actually lose money by doing it exactly um, but even you know and and that's the thing is like it's not just the 15 hours on the trails it's getting there, recovering from that, and the amount of... You know, I have a greater appreciation now for how much time I was able to spend training last year. Yep. And my situation is not the same, which doesn't mean I won't get back to that, but it's just... That's just not what I have afforded to me this fall. And knowing myself, I couldn't sign up for Hellgate and just do a 15-hour like finish. Yeah,
1: I pretty much had this conversation yesterday with someone who I was running with early on in basically the premise of it is ultra running is really hard on the body and you need to train appropriately and if you don't want to push yourself then it could be a sign from your body telling you don't do, to, it. Not yeah, to do it yeah Cause yeah because it's i mean we're still and when i say we i mean just like the scientific community and medical community we're still trying to figure out like how bad something like this actually is for you. Actually, we, I think we texted... <laughs> yes, yeah, we texted yes the I other wanted day. to bring this up
0: on this podcast <laughs> about how at the Backyard World Championship, mm-hmm. the last man standing event where the runners run four miles every hour on the hour, and if they don't start the four-mile loop on the hour, they get pulled, and it starts out with 100... Not even. It's only 30 people That's at the cool. championship. It might have been more this year. And... Harvey Lewis, along with another runner, ran almost 455 miles, which is 24 hours, 100 miles in 24 hours, four days in a row, plus another 50 miles in 12 hours. That's insane. And they didn't sleep for four and a half days. Yep. So we were talking about, I was like, at what point does the sleep deprivation <laughs> like take years off your life? Yeah.
1: Um. I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows, but I mentioned... I don't know if it was an actual study, like actual scientific study or just like somebody who observed something and spread the word that um, it was comparing. I think it was comparing like Navy SEALs to Green Berets Mm -hmm. and the biggest difference in training that they have, at least in their like kind of core course type thing that they go through to actually become a Navy SEAL or a Green Beret is that the Navy SEALs have what's called Hell Week, where they're basically up for, like, four days straight. Yeah. They they basically get woken up sometime. It almost sounds like the Barkley Marathons, if (laughs) if you've talked about that at all. Yeah, yeah. And they get woken up sometime between, like, midnight and noon. Well, not at noon. Uh, It's, like, 10 p.m. and 8 or something like that. But there's, like, a big range where they're, like, told to go to sleep, but then they get woken up really abruptly. Mm. And basically for four days straight – they have PT and just stressful workouts and getting screamed at and no sleep other than um, what they call what do they call it? They call it droning, yeah. where like they're still and I'm sure you experience mm-hmm. this at like, grindstone or something, but they they're still moving and they're still like physically active, but their minds are asleep. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that's like where your body it doesn't it doesn't give you the choice anymore. Mm-hmm. Like your your mind down. has to shut yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have other I guess sensory aspects of your body that keep your limbs moving I don't know exactly how all that works but <laughs> basically, basically um, you, you have to sleep yeah. and they, these people who observed or actually studied the, the Navy SEALs is they died I think it's like four years earlier Jeez. than like the Green Beret counterparts and I, I don't know if I have all the details of that correctly but it's something that they traced back to that four day hell week
0: that taking four years off of somebody's life. Yeah. yeah.
1: Which I mean that's gonna be correlation and you can't probably say that objectively and definitively. It's a yeah. yeah. But it does beg the question how how bad is something like this for you? Yeah. Especially something that's longer than 24 miles or longer than 100, or sorry, 24 hours yeah. or longer so your than your run 100 of
0: the mill 50k is not taking years off. No, life. it'll. It's not necessarily.
1: I'm not gonna sit here and say it's good for you and healthy for you, but it's not a concern for your long term health. At least right. do, not doing one.
0: Yeah, not one, not infrequently. Yeah, the the 450 miles consecutively. <laughs> That's different. Yeah, is, it's it's hard to
1: say what that does to you.
0: Yeah, I mean it's unfathomable too. Pretty much anybody except for them, I guess. Yeah. The two guys that did it. I, but. I
1: mean, I have... I didn't even do 450 miles in my whole train up and including the race. Like, not even close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably did like 350. Yeah.
0: Wow. Um, what were we talking about before that? I
1: completely the
0: completely lost The flight. Backyard Ultra? Or before that? Before the Backyard Ultra. Um. Hellgate... <laughs> okay. Oh, we were talking about how your body, yeah, like this this brings you back to oh, yeah, like how my when I started this training block for Hellgate that obviously has been cut short, my body was just not showing up for me mm-hmm. and and I think it's really hard to quantify what that it that sounds like it meaningless, right, like my body wasn't showing up for me, what does that mean? It's like you know. Uh, A lot of people would tell you just to push through that and Mm -hmm. try to, you know, get onto the other side. And I think that's possible, but I don't think that's necessarily wise. Like in the situation that I'm in or somebody else might be in, where it's not mandatory. I'm not going to die if I don't train for this race. I'm not going to never get to do it again. You're not getting paid six figures to be an athlete. Exactly. It's one of those situations. Um, Yeah, it was just. It's hard to quantify what that really looks like. But I think everyone who has a long standing career in an endurance sport or any kind of serious athletic endeavor probably knows that feeling where... You just don't have the drive. Mm-hmm. Didn't
1: even like Courtney DeWalter, didn't
0: she do pretty rough in a couple of races and decide to take like a year off a few years ago? I know that she had a really bad hard rock and kind of just cut her season short mm-hmm. in 2021. I and think? this is like
1: the, I don't know, probably the best female <laughs> the ultra runner. The queen of ultra running. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's and better
0: than most ultra runners in general, male or female. Yeah. And yeah, I think her body probably just wasn't showing up wasn't willing and obviously her mind was there if you're training and signed up for hard rock that's a serious serious race but you don't always get to just like punch through that ceiling that moment or that season so that's kind of where i'm at um and yeah i'm excited for a reset Doing some other athletic things, doing some CrossFit classes with my sister, which was actually super fun. Um, I have had a terrible experience with CrossFit in the past, and it was very aerobic, so I think that's why I enjoyed it. But <laughs> it was still a really like high intensity, like interval, and kind of like different from any of the training that I've ever done mm-hmm. in the past few years. So that was really fun. Been doing more yoga. Um, I probably won't go so far as to like touch a barbell. But... <laughs> oh, no, no don't, don't do that. <laughs> Can't imagine I'll be doing that. Soon. <laughs> but I'll be doing some more resistance style body weight and those kinds of workouts. So, yeah, looking for a reset and it'll be a good good year next year to get back. Yep. So, it's kind of got to all be seasonal. Exactly. Can't be 100% all the time. Nope. What's your, what does your rest look like if you're doing a 50K, two Spartan races, and a strength block? Where are you going to be incorporating in um, downtime? How does that look like for you? Well,
1: so race was yesterday. I'm not doing anything today. I will probably go for a walk tomorrow. Nice. And then I'll probably do an easy upper body workout on Tuesday. And then an easy lower body workout on Wednesday. And then I'll get back to a hard upper body workout on Thursday. And then I'm actually flying out to Arizona for the Spartan Race the next day. So we'll be out in Arizona for a full week. We're actually going to go hit Utah and then Sedona, Very Arizona. Nice. So we're going to – I'm going to have like a 50 or 60-mile hiking week. That's <laughs> awesome. next, next week. And then I'll have the Spartan Races. And then I'll probably take four or five days totally off. Nice. And then really hit the strength block for about a month or so. Um, probably like two it? months.
0: All of December. Yeah, pretty, pretty much
1: good. all December and January. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm excited. I really love again the adventurous aspect of the running and what it allows you to do and who it allows you to hang out with and yeah. what you can see. But I really love just grinding in the gym as well. Yeah. It's it's so different that you can't really explain it. But I, I love them both and as Sean just said, they're they're seasonal and you kinda yeah. just uh, for me, I just alternate seasons, basically. Yeah. Pretty pretty much in, like, two-month blocks. Yeah. Two- to three-month blocks.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to hearing about how the Spartan races go, and thanks again for your time coming on today. and Absolutely fantastic job yesterday. Yes, sir. Thank it's you. Great to get back. Good to see you out there. It's fun to see you with the bib on. I know. it's It's been a while. It feels yeah. good to be back. That's awesome. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. This has been our 21st episode of When the Going Gets Tough, so we are officially in the... Top 1% of all podcasts. Well done. I learned that recently. Let's so, go. Not to pat ourselves on the back too much, but we're pretty excited about that. <laughs> and we have a couple more coming out this year, 2023. And looking forward to 2024. More podcasts with Trace for training. Oh, yeah. More adventures and more tough getting going. So thanks again. See y'all. Yeah.